Hey now, this is the Screen Geeks podcast. I'm Sean, and with me is my co-host, Christian. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to dissect the finale of Hawkeye, episode six, spoilers ahead. And later, we're going to take a look back at the Matrix series and talk about the new release, Matrix Resurrection. So stay tuned. Okay, Hawkeye, episode six. This is the finale. This is the big one. Um, We open up on Kingpin, meeting with Eleanor. We learn that Kate's dad owed a bunch of money, a fortune, as um, they say, to Fisk when he died. And I guess he really is dead. So I guess I was wrong there. Um, Yeah, me, yeah. Yeah. And so since then, Eleanor has been working for Fisk all these years to kind of pay off the debt. And we find out that she was the one that killed Armand. She framed Jack. But now that Kate's getting too close, Eleanor says she's done. And she's made copies of all their kind of dirty dealings in the past as an insurance policy. And that Fisk needs to just leave her alone and let her get out. Um, And so Kingpin says, in the spirit of the holidays, I'm going to give you a minute to think about what you're starting right now. And she says, I don't need a minute. And she leaves. So uh, probably not very smart on her part. You know, she should know by now that that Kingpin's not someone you want to mess with. But uh, she does that anyway. We see this whole scene play out. um, And then we find out that this is actually Kate watching it. And this is what Yelena had sent her last week. You know, last week we just saw kind of a still of Eleanor talking to Kingpin. But now we see the whole scene played out. So everything that happened, Kate knows about and Clint knows about. Yeah, and I mean, it really shows, too, with Eleanor, not only was she being dumb to, like, show up and and tell Fisk that she's out, but she doubles down and says, and I've also got incriminating evidence on, you know, right. like, it's, like, it's like, what does she think? Know? He's just going to be like, well, I guess you got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Have happy retirement. Like, right yeah so uh like i said kate sees all this play out um she's very distraught to learn that you know it was her mother all along kate tells clint that this is her mess to clean up and that he should just go home to his family for christmas and clint comes back at her and says kate you're my partner your mess is my mess i'm not going anywhere until this is finished and so that was kind of a sweet thing that's the first time that Clint has really acknowledged Kate as, you know, his partner, that the two of them are kind of in this together. Whereas all the rest of the series, he's been constantly telling her, you know, she's just a kid. She doesn't know what she's getting into. She needs to go home. She needs to leave us alone and that kind of stuff. But no, now he kind of says, no, we're partners. Exactly. And you saw the look on her face yeah. too in that moment where it, it, it was, it was a big thing to her, you know? Yeah, for sure. So then we see Maya meeting with the Kingpin and she apologizes for all the trouble she's been causing. She says things got, you know, kind of out of hand with her trying to catch Ronan. Just, you know, he knows how much that her father meant to her. And so it was something that she had to do. But she says she needs a couple days off to clear her head. And um, he said, you know, Kingpin says to Maya that he loves her. Of course, take a few days and, um, and Maya leaves. But then Kingpin kind of turns to Kazi 
And he has kind of this really good speech that I liked. I wrote it down. He says, the Ronin is running around the city and Avenger has taken an outside interest in our operations. And the Bishop woman thinks that she can quit her job as if she works at Goldman Sachs. And Maya, <laughs> my Maya, she turned on us. What will we do about it? The people need to be reminded this city belongs to me. And that was the, the thing too, is like, it wasn't like Elnor was in the dark about this. She knows who Fisk is. Right. She knows how powerful he is. And she knows that it, not just the power that he has, but his mentality is, this yeah. is his city. You know, he, that nobody crosses him. Nobody screws him over. He, he owns every, like. Right. It, it's almost like, how dare this, housewife think that she can tangle with me you know doesn't she know who i am yeah and that's the thing too it's not only that he's like i own this city but for someone to like walk out on him like that and like not even be a look like they're afraid like yeah he's not gonna he's like no (laughs) right so i thought that was a great scene like i'm really glad we got d'onofrio back you know obviously this, you know, the Netflix series was much more like R-rated type content, and you're not going to do that on a Disney show. But I still feel like they did a good job of showing how intimidating he is, how ruthless he is, and kind of how formidable he is. Yeah, and, uh, you know, not, I mean, I know, like, in the Netflix show, you, you see some scenes, like, where he's, like, smashing a guy's head in the car door. Right. And, and, you know, things like that. But we... We already know what he's capable of. Exactly. And he, and he kept the same presence on screen. Yeah. You know, just didn't show him brutally more murdering people. Exactly. Um, so back to Clinton, Kate, we see them preparing for Eleanor's big party that's tonight. They make some new way too dangerous trick arrows. And uh, Kate makes sure to use her label maker this time so that they know which arrow is which. Um and tries to keep them organized clint asks if she's ready for tonight he says this job is lonely you will get hurt that heroes have to make tough decisions and so this was my favorite part of the whole episode i think so kate says finally she kind of um tells clint the story of that day at the battle of new york so she says When I was younger, aliens invaded, and I was alone, and I was terrified. Then I saw you fighting aliens with a stick and a string. I saw you jump from that building, even though you can't fly, even though you don't have superpowers. And I thought, if he could do that, then I didn't have to be scared. So this is the, you know, we've talked about Hawkeye kind of being a joke amongst fans and, um, you know, a lot of people in the MCU, like, you know, realm, but when it, you get down to it, this is just a guy with no superpowers who's holding his own with a stick and a string. And when you narrow it down to that very simple thing, I think that's pretty remarkable. All the stuff we've seen Clint do over all these years. Exactly. It, it, and it, you know, she says like, I mean, to take that leap off of the building and for her to witness that, like yeah. when it, it's not like he's taking the leap and flying away or, or he's the Hulk and he can land, you know, right. on the ground. Like 
so if he if he hits the ground he's dead he's done this isn't thor flying around with his hammer and you know like you said the hulk this isn't iron man with a suit of armor and thrusters this isn't captain america that has a super soldier serum this is a man with a stick and a string fighting aliens fighting thanos fighting whoever ultron and doing his best to navigate himself in a world of superpowered people and really if you think about it it i mean that's almost a bigger inspiration a bigger like it's way more impressive like i mean don't get me wrong i love all the characters in the avengers like right i mean like i'm not putting them down in any way i'm just saying what hawkeye was doing has always been more impressive because he is only human yeah and it's kind of a shame that we're all just realizing this now i think at least you know natasha got some credit for that in the past you know because she was such a badass but clint really has been the joke and you know i mean there was entire movies where he was just like under loki's spell or you know really non-existent because sometimes having a regular man in a world of people with superheroes is a little bit unrealistic but um i think everybody that's watched this series probably finally realizes that if they ever had bad thoughts about hawkeye that they were wrong that this guy is somebody to be celebrated and he really is a hero even if he's not a superhero yeah and the arguably the avengers needed all the help they could get and if you were going to get any human to get on your team, it would have been him and Natasha. <laughs> you know? Right. Two master assassins. So later we go to the party. We see that the tracksuits are there. We see that the LARPers are there undercover as staff at the party. Jack's there out of jail and he's wearing a sword on his hip, which was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. We see that Yelaine is there. And so kind of the whole cast of characters. Um, and then finally, Eleanor shows up. And so Kate pulls her aside and confronts her about working for Kingpin and pretty much like lets her know that she knows everything that's been going down. We see across the street that Kazi is there and he has a sniper rifle. And so he starts sniping shots into the party. Panic erupts. Everybody's running, you know, craziness. Clint tells some of the LARPers to get everybody out. And so Kate sees Yelena and follows her. Uh, tries to stop her from finding Clint. They have a fight. You know, they kind of have their little quips back and forth, you know, just like we saw in the previous episode with the mac and cheese scene, the two of them have like really good chemistry. And like, I definitely want to see a Yelena Kate standalone movie or series of some kind. I know. What what does Kate say? Something like, God, stop making me like you. Yeah. And she's like, sorry, like, it, like, I just, no, I love the two of them together. You're right. Yeah. So um, they have, they kind of fight and it's kind of a cool scene. They kind of go room to room through this building, which was neat. And then finally, Yelena, who you can tell is kind of holding back because she doesn't want to hurt Kate. Um, she just jumps out the window and she scales down this, you know, giant, whatever, 70 story building on a cable. And well, then- and uh, sorry, real quick too, I wanted to say like not only the interactions between them and if I, and you're right I, I i think she was definitely holding back but she is recognizing that kate 
is badass too because i love sure. how kate was like kate was like i was a solid kid it, it, you know <laughs> and yeah she's like yes I said, but that right. but what you did that throw you know, like yeah, even the, the two, even though the two of them are like adversaries, they <laughs> yeah. each like appreciate which the other what the other one does. You know, yeah, and I love that how they like stop like mid fight to like compliment each other. Yeah, on the, you know, so so anyways. Kate ends up jumping out of the window after her and just kind of free falls for forty stories or so, and somehow stops herself and lands without breaking her legs, without <laughs> you know her skull cracking on the cement, but. Um, I guess you know she she did karate, so she, she's a, she, yeah. I mean that that makes you you know like Wolverine. So I yeah, mean, exactly. Just, I, <laughs> um, but it was kind of a cool scene. It was shot really well. This whole like finale takes place at Thirty Rock, so we get the Rockefeller Center like ice rink. We see the Christmas tree in the background, which coincidentally, spoiler alert, we saw at the very end of Spider Man No Way Home last week which was also at Christmas time. So seems like these two things are happening at the exact same moment, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Kate ends up landing and uh, all the tracksuits kind of surround her. And um, you. it seems like she's going to have to fight her way out. But no, Jack shows up with his sword and he kind of starts stabbing people <laughs> and helps Kate get away. So um, Jack does something productive finally. Yeah, and with Jack, like you and I have talked about this, we we both agreed from the beginning that we, you know, we didn't think he was bad. Right. And then uh, we also knew too that he he actually is a, an expert, like yeah. swordsman. You and know, you know, he like just... he was living for this. This was like the moment of his life to finally, you know, be able to use that sword. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's he's done all of his fencing. He's been really good at, you know, his train all that. And like, yeah, then he says something like, Jack, this is your moment. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like what? exactly. And he goes, oh, and he, no, he is really good with the sword. He's just never like used those skills, you know, in a situation. Right. So Clint finds Kazi and uh, stops him from, you know, shooting the place up. And, uh, to get away from the tracksuits, he has to end up jumping out the window, but he is not as couth as Yelena or Kate was, and he ends up falling into the Rockefeller Christmas tree, and he's kind of stuck in there with a, a cute little owl. Yeah. That which was funny. Was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Kate finds out he's in the tree, and we get to see her archery skills on display again, and she uses one of those acid arrows to cut the tree down. First, she like cuts the suspension cable that are holding the tree up. Then she uses the acid arrow to cut the tree down. And so the tree falls down onto the ice and Clint is finally free. And more tracksuits are closing in. Like the the whole previous five episodes, we saw about like five to 10 tracksuits. But now it seems like there's like 500 of them somehow. (laughs) But (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. They were showing up in droves. (laughs) Yeah, more tracksuits showing. They're closing up on both. Um, Kay and Clint, who are both on the ice now, and they're both in their new nice purple Hawkeye suits that Misty made them, and they just start going back to back using all the trick arrows, working as partners, and they just take out dozens of these tracksuits like they're stormtroopers, and they can cut through them like butter. 
Yeah, it, it, I, I thought it was a cool scene the way they were set up, just on the ice, and then like, yeah. we, and we had no idea what these what these arrows were. But right. I mean, they used know. so many arrows, I couldn't even write them all down. You know, we had the, we had the the Ant Man shrinking arrow, we had explosive arrows, we had arrows that had shrapnel in them. They just, they had all kinds of things, which I think it's a little weird that just like two episodes ago you know, Clint says there's no more arrows and they need to go and find these LARPers to get their old arrows out of like NYPD, um, like evidence locker. But now all of a sudden they can just make more arrows, but whatever. Well, the, the only, the only break I gave them and I thought the same thing was he did make the comment before was it wasn't necessarily the trigger. He said it was the shafts of the arrows. So I guess in my mind, I'm thinking he's, salvaged all the shafts you know <laughs> like yeah, they, all right we'll uh, go with that yeah and I, that's all i'm gonna give them credit yeah for, at least uh, but again yeah i mean yeah so kate gets word that eleanor where like where, where eleanor is so she leaves to go and find her and um leaves clint to kind of face off against Kazi and a couple more of the tracksuits who just showed up back down to the ice but um before Kazi and clint get into it again maya shows up she takes out a couple of Kazi's thugs and then the two of them end up having a fight. And Kazi tells her that she should have left and that she knows what he has to do. So pretty much he's telling her like, you know, this is what the boss wants. You made a mistake. Now you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> and so at that exact same time, because we're just cutting all over the place right now, back and forth between all these different storylines. So at that same time, Yelena finally catches up to Clint, tackles him, and right before she kills him, she says she wants to know what really happened between Clint and Natasha. And Clint says that she wouldn't believe him even if he told her the story, but all that matters is Natasha sacrificed herself and saved the world. And Yelena just says that he's lying, you know, for whatever reason, she doesn't think that's what really went down. So well, I, I, I think for her in her defense is I mean she obviously loved Natasha so much and she knows certain facts about Clint and she knows he was the runner and she knows that he he's you know savagely murdered all even if they were bad people and she also knows that Natasha died while it was just them too you know there was right and I mean the information that Yelena has been given from uh I don't even remember her character name, but from Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the Black Widow movie is that Clint is the one that killed Natasha. Yeah, and and for her, she's, I mean, she's been mourning and she's so wanting to redeem it somehow, any way she can. And, you know, and so it's even like a, a thing up to this point that she's just wanted to believe too, so that she felt like she could get some kind of vengeance, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we flash back to Maya and Kazi. Maya tells him that she loves him. Come with her. Like they can both get out. But he says this is his life. Fisk isn't going to let them let him get out. And they keep fighting. And Maya ends up killing Kazi. So, um, you know, we know that going forward, Maya as Echo is going to have her own show. And so I'm sure this is going to be one of the things that she has to deal with the fact that, you know, Kazi was her best friend or whatever, you know, they grew up together and that she's the one that killed him. So two things around that. First of all, I mean, I, 
I thought it was I thought it was really funny when Kazi like when he goes to face Hawkeye and he's like I'm gonna enjoy this and I'm thinking no you're right you're sure. <laughs> you know, like like what made you think that you're gonna be able to beat him like and, and Hawkeye didn't even like give him everything you know right, like he, right. you know and he easily handled him but the second thing was I was wondering and I don't know if you kind of got this feeling it almost felt like him and Echo were also involved romantically at least at some point or yeah, now I definitely you know? think they have some kind of a history yeah I mean definitely at least family like like yeah like you said it's like a it could have either just been a brother sister type yeah family relationship or i don't know i i, I mean we know that we knew they grow up to, we knew that they grew up together and they've both been a part of this organization for you know 20 years or whatever you know maya through her dad that used to run the track suits and Kazi was the number two or whatever but you know i definitely feel like each one of them was the other one's kind of ride or die exactly so back to Eleanor she's trying to get away in her car when Kingpin shows up and stops her but just then Kate arrives shoots arrows directly into Kingpin's chest but that doesn't even phase him he just keeps going uh after Kate but Eleanor rams her car into Kingpin through the toy store window at uh FAO Schwartz right there in New York City and uh Kingpin and Kate end up having a big fight in the toy store really kingpin's just beating the shit out of her and she's flying all over the place into walls into toys everything and and just keeps getting back up to her credit um and so fisk ends up grabbing all her arrows and he breaks them in half and somehow kate notices him fidgeting with his cufflinks which we know that kingpin and his cufflinks is a big deal and she all the time (laughs) yeah she ends up getting a hold of one of them and she does the the clint coin snapping trick that he taught her a few episodes ago and she flings it right into one of the exploding arrows and um it detonates and kingpin goes flying and he's knocked unconscious so the police end up showing up and they're arresting eleanor for murdering armand um you know eleanor and kate kind of have a scene where eleanor's like uh, you know, you don't understand, um, you know, you're so naive, you're just a kid, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, really, you're going to have your mom arrested on Christmas Eve, like this is what heroes do. And yep. Kate, Kate, to her credit, you know, doesn't, she didn't even hesitate. It's like, she found out that her mom was involved. And that's it. Like, you know, you, you got to pay the piper now. Yeah, and you know, it was extremely difficult for her to not only hear about this but to also have her mom arrested but she was never not going to do that and right. fuck eleanor for that like really yeah you, have I your mean, mom, like, you know she's trying to gaslight her but it's not yeah. working on kate you know kate to her credit is smart enough to kind of see through eleanor's bullshit yeah and 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 as she had you know mentioned said to eleanor before like it wasn't even just the fact that she was in debt or her, I mean, her husband was in debt, but I mean, she went to a whole different level of things that she did on her own. Right. I mean, she was truly bad. Yeah. There were multiple times when Eleanor would make comments through the series about um, Kate not being able, 
you know, that Kate's grown up privileged, that she wouldn't understand what it's like growing up poor or that she wouldn't be able to handle it and that kind of stuff. And really, I think it's showing that, no, like Kate would be fine. Eleanor doesn't want to go back to that life. So she might have used the fact that her husband had all this debt as her excuse for why she was doing these bad things. But in the end, she kept doing them because she didn't want to go back to that life. Exactly. Because, I mean, you even see uh, the entire series. I mean, and Kate mentioned in the beginning, I mean, her mom took away her credit cards. Like, she, you know, she hasn't, in the way she gets around, even her apartment, she had, like, she doesn't live like a rich person. She doesn't, even though, I mean, yes, arguably that would be an expensive apartment in new york but it was right either if she inherited whatever we never figured that out but um but still i mean the point is like it she she's never been driven by money right so back to yelaine and clint yelaine is just kind of beating the snot out of him and he just keeps taking it like he's not really even trying to fight back because he he's not going to you know he knows this is natasha's sister he knows that she's not a bad person he's not gonna like fight her but he does try to convince her that um you know what happened was he fought nat she sacrificed herself but um that she was better than him you know he wishes that he that that's not how it went down but she beat him and she was the one that sacrificed herself and yelena says that he should have fought harder and she's about to pull the trigger and shoot him but then he does the whistle that we see in the Black Widow movie that was Natasha and Yelena's kind of secret whistle when they were kids. Mm -hmm. And it kind of freezes Yelena in her tracks. And she wants to know how he knows about that whistle. And Clint tells Yelena all about how Natasha shared everything with them about Yelena, about how much she loved Yelena and always tried to take care of her. And we kind of realize, and Yelena realizes that the only way Clint would know that stuff is if Natasha had confined, confided in him and that maybe the two of them were as close as he says they were. And maybe what he's saying went down actually is what went down. And I think she, in that moment, oh, yeah. this say real good. I think in that moment she realizes immediately, like, yeah, I, Natasha not only was Natasha was a badass, but she was an extremely intelligent person and she wouldn't have been duped by Hawkeye. Right. You know, like she would have only divulged that kind of information to someone that she was extremely close with. Right. Cause it's not like Natasha was out there, like just being super close to anybody. Like, no, it, to get like that kind of, you know, she was kind of closed off too a lot of the time. So the fact that she would have told Clint all that stuff shows that, the two of them had that kind of partnership where she she confided in him. Yeah. And so, you know, Yelena says that she wishes that she would have been there, that she could have stopped her. And Clint says nothing was going to stop her. She made her choice. We're going to have to find a way to live with that. So I feel like this is kind of the first time where we can think that even though Clint's never going to forget about what happened, maybe he's not going to keep punishing himself forever because of it. Yeah. So um, at that point, Elena kind of helps Clint up and um, she, she leaves. And so it was, it was a, it was a touching scene. You know, we didn't ever really get a proper goodbye to Natasha, you know, 
she got killed in Endgame, but then everything that happens with the, you know, the battle at the end and Tony and Thanos and then Steve Rogers becoming an old man and taking off and all that stuff. We didn't really get a goodbye to, to Natasha. And then even though she got her own movie after that, that was actually a prequel, we still didn't get her kind of like, you know, swan song. We didn't get her to take a bow or anything like that. But at least with Clint and Yelena kind of um, showing that even though she's gone, she's never going to be forgotten. It's a little bit of like Natasha's memory is always going to live on in the Avengers. Yeah, and I, 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 I just like everything that went down at the end, you know, with that. And it just, it did feel like more closure around her character. Right. I mean, I was, I was crying for sure. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's still just well because again, like what you said, the way the relationship that Clint and Natasha had was more than like it wasn't like as close as like Natasha and Tony Stark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it. So it. It. You just and the fact that Clint was there. I mean, all of it. Like you, you just really feel how much love they had for each other. You yeah. know, like it. it yeah. And so I think for, you know, now I, I think now Clint is going to more um, going forward, he's going to be able to more like uh, respect what Natasha did for him rather than him feeling the guilt of what Natasha did for him, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, we see Kingpin has come to and uh, he's made his way out of the toy store when Maya meets up with him and uh, you know uh, Kingpin's trying to kind of make his case like uh, you know why um, you know like what happened and everything and he says sometimes families don't see eye to eye we see Maya raise her gun and then off screen we hear a shot fire and so we're supposed to believe that Maya killed Kingpin Um, I don't know like your opinion on this but I know that in the comics, like this is kind of a, a thing that happens and um, uh, he's not really dead, but um, it is kind of like a storyline that has played out in the comics before, but I think they purposely leave it kind of ambiguous so that we don't know exactly what happened. My my two thoughts on this are, I'm because well, I'm 50-50 and I could see it either way. One thought that if he is dead, it would make sense, kind of alluding to the fact what you said earlier, this isn't an R-rated dark thing. So they wouldn't have showed her shooting him in the face. Right. You know, like where she was pointing the gun and you hear, like, it would make sense that, I mean, they wouldn't show that level of violence. Yeah. Like, you know, in the show. But then the other part of me is like, what? Yeah, they, they didn't show it happened. So maybe she points it up and then she feels too guilty and just points the gun on the side and shoots off you know in the distance and like yeah. basically tells tells fist to fuck off and leaves or yeah i, I guess don't know. like i guess in the comics which obviously you know this is a different storyline altogether but in the comics like daredevil kind of convinces echo that that fisk is actually a bad guy and maya confronts him and she shoots the gun by his face somehow or something like that and ends up blinding him so it's kind of like a parallel like between Daredevil and 
kingpin that they both lose eyesight at some point or something like that so the fact that he made the comment about uh you know families don't always see eye to eye was kind of like a i feel like a little bit of a clue but that could also just be marvel like winking at us saying like you know we know what happens in the the comics here's kind of like a little easter egg for you but no actually like maya just killed him so you know we don't know maybe we'll find out one day and you know what and maybe the writers don't know and i you know like i think things like that to always leave it open for them to be able to do so because like if they show him die he's dead right they can't go back if they if they are writing the script for you know another series down the road they want to bring him back they can't yeah you know, i mean it, you they, they found a way to like bring him in from the netflix universe into the mcu for for the one episode you know it seems like they want to keep their options open and marvel a lot of times will kind of determine what's going to happen going forward based on you know the reaction of things that happen you know i think seeing the chemistry between yelena and kate there's no way they're not going to put the two of them together in something in the future you know oh yeah they're gonna be like the the fan reaction to these two like what you know down the road we need to get them together right so you know if people have a good reaction to D'Onofrio being back as Kingpin or they have a story that makes sense to have Kingpin in it you know we know that they just brought Matt Murdock into the MCU in Spider-Man so at some point I feel like he's gonna have a bigger role in a movie or a series maybe in the Echo series and so if you're gonna have Daredevil back you want to have Kingpin back yeah and the other thought is maybe they do a mix of the comic and what they want to do and in that Maya did shoot him in the face like shot him in the eye but yeah. it kind of went out the side and he's blinded in one eye sure but maybe not in both like so it's the you know, i mean it, we we saw him take a couple arrows playing point blank in the chest we saw him get blown up by kate's little cufflink trick uh you know he got smashed with a car through the window by eleanor and he walked away from it all. So, you know, he could easily yeah. get shot in the eye and we're, we're going to believe that, but, you know, it didn't we, kill him. Yeah. And I mean, if he survived all that, like, I mean, people in real life survive gunshots to the head, like not just movies, like, you know, like yeah. you wouldn't think it happens, but people do get shot in the head or get shot in, the, in like somehow it, they're able to survive, you know, yeah. so you, you never know. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I, I would assume that we'll see him again. And that's that's just, you know, where I'll leave it, I would think. Yeah. So the aftermath of everything, um, we see the LARPers talking to Jack. And it's kind of a funny scene where one of them asks him if he's ever considered LARPing. And he just kind of says, you know, what is that? Some kind of leisure activity? Leisure. <laughs> <laughs> he's just such like a, you know, like kind of a, a rich, wealthy you know in his own words never worked a day in his life kind of putts but i love him you know yeah no i i'd like to see him again in the future honestly. yeah I, me too um and so we see kate and clint sitting in an ambulance and clint tells her that she did a good job you know taking on the kingpin all by herself and all that kind of stuff and he says he's so proud of her and it's a very sweet moment you know and so we cut to clint christmas day on the barton farm he made it home you know this whole time we've been waiting to see if he gets home in time for christmas he makes it home 
but we see that he brought Kate and Lucky with him. And he says to Laura, I brought a couple strays home with me. And they finally named named him. We finally get him. <laughs> we finally know his name is Lucky. Yeah, yeah. We don't know how it happened, but it's confirmed. Lucky the pizza dog I, is a real thing. I will say too, because as we talked about, like I was so afraid that Clint was going to die. Yeah. Like this, and he finally gets, and he gets home on Christmas. And as they pull up, I was expecting his family run out. So when they didn't, I started. They were snapped away. I started to panic <laughs> that something fucked up happened. Yeah. I was it's like, it's going to be like a Dexter season four yeah. situation where he's going to yeah, walk, walk in, in and she's dead in the bathtub. Exactly. Like I was like, maybe Fisk already learned, you know, right, learned where they right. were. Sent. So like, I don't know, because like I was expecting like the fact that like no one was out there. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, don't do this. Don't do this. Like, and then, yeah. I'm like, okay. No, I'm glad that, that you know, they wrapped everything up and we kind of got like a, a happier and happier ending, which I think the tone of the show called for it. So I'm glad, but we see Clint and Laura sitting at the table and Clint says, you'll never believe what was found in a black market auction in New York City. And he hands her the watch. And she turns it over and reveals the shield logo and the number 19. So Clint says, you might want to take better care of your stuff. And so this kind of confirms what we've talked about, that obviously Laura was a shield agent. Agent 19 is the Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if we'll ever see anything else on that or if it's just kind of like a little bit of a a nod to her backstory. But um, it is confirmed well I, and I think this is relates to another thing that marvel does is kind of leave it open for hey if the fans yeah seem to really want they could always and i think this would be a cool show make a prequel series on her and like her experiences in shield and then leading up to her meeting clint and then how that she went away and yeah theory hit you know uh, that could easily be a, a whole season yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, also it's like, you know, when, when this show started, I thought this was definitely going to be a one and done to, to write Jeremy Renner out of the MCU, you know, because Hawkeye wasn't the most beloved character. Jeremy Renner's had some issues with, you know, the public eye and not looking the best at times. So I thought this was going to be their way of like giving him his curtain call and that's it. But I feel like, as well as the series turned out and as much as it seems like the fans have liked it, even though we haven't heard anything, I don't see why they couldn't do a season two. And you could easily have some sort of flashback of Laura's days in shield, or maybe for whatever reason, going forward, she needs to get called back in for something or I don't know. But I mean, I, I know I, for one would love to see more, Clint, more Kate, more everything, because I I love the show. Yeah, and you're right. It could either be in the form of flashbacks in a season two of Hawkeye, or maybe they make a series Mockingbird. Yeah, you know, and it starts with her at a younger. I mean, we don't know when she started in Shield, how long exactly what she did. I mean, we know what you know the what we've seen the character and we've read about you know the comics, but I mean. 
they could do anything with it any and they could still get hawkeye involved because obviously they met fell in love and right. got to the point where they're making a family you know and hiding right away, even like, know, like in if in avengers age of ultron when they all end up at the barton farm it's obvious that natasha and laura have some sort of a relationship too which you know i think during the first like movie we always it always seemed like maybe clint and natasha had something but then we see you no know, clint has a wife and kids and a family but the way that Natasha and uh, Laura were so friendly, like they probably met in S.H.I.E.L.D. also. I mean, and and obviously the three of them were so close that they named their youngest kid, you know, Nathaniel after Natasha. Well, yeah, I mean, we and that's the thing. We don't even know shit. This is what's kind of cool, too, is they can still bring Natasha back. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, if they did, let's say they did a show called Mockingbird and they went back and they showed all those origins and everything and I mean Natasha could come back and it could it she could tie into how you know her relationship developed even with the two of them you know and and I mean there's just endless possibilities yeah right there so right so who knows what we'll see in the future I just hope it's more but um so so Clint said Clint had said you know you might want to take better care of your stuff Laura says, you're one to talk, you know, uh, obviously alluding to the fact that this thing, whole, the whole thing kind of started because Clint's Ronin suit and sword, sword showed up at that auction. So uh, <clears throat> Clint pulls Kate aside, they go outside and they end up burning the Ronin suit, which is kind of, you know, symbolic for the fact that Ronin's dead and he's not coming back. Yeah. And so the episode ends with Kate suggesting some names for herself so what do you think of lady hawk hockey <laughs> hot shot lady arrow and clint just says you know what i have an idea and then bam we get the end credits hawkeye so it looks like we're gonna have two hawkeyes going forward they'll both be hawkeye uh that, i mean that's my best impression was that that's what that meant you know yeah yeah <laughs> I think I think it's better than hockey Eve. So uh, so that's the end of the episode. We do get kind of a stinger that was just a full length version of that Rogers the musical song, which which, which I'm sure you love. I did. I really that. enjoyed it. You know, it's like, like I, that that businessman that they got doing the the you know the whole scene. Like he is a well known Broadway actor, and I've actually seen him on stage a couple times because he was an original character in Rent. So I saw him once in San Francisco and once in San Francisco. So I'm a big fan of his. I was a big fan of the musical number. I I don't know if I needed that. Like, I wish we had gotten something setting up either a season two or something setting up the Echo Show or a glimpse of more that's to come with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You know, even like a, another little joke scene with Jack something. I don't think it, we needed that whole musical number as, you know, our final thing we're going to see of Hawkeye, maybe. But um, I did enjoy it. But I wish there had been something else. I, w- I mean, I wish they would have just done like a, a mid credit scene where we get to see something, like you said, some kind of reveal, something. And then the very end of the credits could have been this whole right you, you know you know and like someone could have stayed you know and enjoyed that whole thing but right i it, i was watching the whole thing and i was expecting it to also then turn just maybe we saw someone in the audience or right. we saw, that's you know, what like, i was thinking i was like are they going to show 
Thor sitting there watching it and enjoying it or, you know, yeah. Ant-Man or something, you know, I, I really thought that was going to happen too, but it didn't. Um, and yeah, like, you know, in, in the original Avengers, like we get the mid credit scene where we, for the first time see Thanos. And then after the credits is the shawarma scene, you know? So it's like, you can have like the comedy bit and something setting up the future, but they, they chose to just go with the one scene for us. So. Well, and maybe in their defense, maybe it's like we talked about that. They're not a hundred percent sure, uh, you know, where Hawkeye's going. Is it going to be yeah. Hawkeye season two? Is it not? Is Fisk alive? Is, you know, it, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, so that's Hawkeye. Like I said, I, I really dug the series. I liked it a lot. You know, every week I feel like it kind of got better and better. I got more and more into it. They introduced us to some like new characters that I really like, like Kate. They brought back some existing characters that I like, like the Kingpin. Um, they introduced us to Echo. They introduced us to the LARPers, which honestly I could I could do without. So if we don't ever see them again in any future MCU property, I'd be okay with it. They mm-hmm. introduced us to Lucky the Pizza Dog. We get to see Elena again, and we know that she's going to be around in future stuff. So I think it was a good six episodes. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, I think of all the Disney Plus series so far that this one probably had the most complete ending that I was satisfied with. Loki had a really great ending, um, but some people probably had a lot of problems with that ending too. Um, And that was, we know there's a season two of Loki. So the ending of that wasn't really the end. If this is all we get of Hawkeye, I feel satisfied that like the, you know, Clint's story is complete at least, but mm-hmm. um, I, w- well, I was that, satisfied with the ending for sure. Well, and that's, again, maybe that's, was their plan is that they, uh, you know, after Loki, they, they knew that they were going to do a season two. And maybe with this, they left it to the point where like, well, we'll give him a satisfactory ending, but also not, end it like that it's closed off for sure you know like they 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 weren't going to end it that there's no way he could come back so yeah yeah so that's hawkeye and that's the end of the series um you have any final thoughts on it no i mean i agree with everything you just said i mean as far as all the characters and i I 100% agree because even in the final episode that was like one of the things that was still annoying me was the like do we need the LARPers again and especially like when they the the only thing that made me actually laugh about it was when they came out they're like they're like directing people I'm like this is like they're so useless yeah this you know and then they go and get and then Clint looks at him and he's like yeah we're all gonna die and that was like that That was was good that part didn't i was like okay that's funny yeah but like you know it's like all these guys are cops and firefighters too like they didn't need to make them all so inept but um uh i did think that was funny you know that they walk out in their costumes and yeah we're just we're all gonna die yeah because again i just they didn't they didn't need to be in the series you know right so when, when they had that one scene in you know episode two or whatever i was really into it but i wasn't expecting them to keep being brought back more and more um but 
you know, in the end, like uh, I didn't hate it, but I could have done without it for sure. Yeah. All right. I think that does it. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about the Matrix series and we'll talk about the new Matrix Resurrection movie. So we'll be right back. All right. So the Matrix Resurrections came out this past week. Uh, It's the fourth movie in the series. We haven't seen a Matrix movie since I think 2004, I want to say is that same year when um, Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions came out. So we'll start off, Christian, I'm just kind of curious, like, what what's your history with The Matrix? Like, how do you feel about the first one, the, the two sequels, and kind of the three of them as a whole? But, so the original Matrix, I mean, I don't think that's a movie you can ever touch. Like, I, I, right. I think the first one is just amazing i specifically remember seeing it in the theater with a few friends like we were like excited about it like it looked cool in the previews and 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 we went and saw it you know and i think it was in that little two-screen auburn (laughs) movie that we used to go you know and uh and and at the time like i mean it was just game-changing i mean no one had had put together something like this as far as like just the idea of this alternate reality and and i mean in just the the action scenes if i i mean everything like about it the characters like it, you know i i don't think there's a lot of people out there that that didn't you know at least appreciate the first one you know yeah, i and, mean even even looking back there's concepts in that first movie that when i was you know uh 17 or 19 whenever the first one came out i can't do math i'm so old now but um there's (laughs) concepts that like at the time i didn't even understand and looking back they're still so like prevalent and just the whole idea of you know there's there's a lot of um talk and theory out there and people talking about living in a simulation and that kind of stuff the fact that they were talking about this 22 23 years ago kind of blows my mind and yeah, the, you know, at the time, the effects were unlike anything we had ever seen. But even beyond the effects, it had some of the best straight up just fighting scenes and not fighting scenes that required a bunch of CGI, you know, fighting scenes that's Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne just fighting in that dojo or Agent Smith and Neo on that train station platform that's kind of like a Western. So they did these very scaled down you know, a Western fight, a Kung Fu fight that while they use some effects to kind of blow our minds, they weren't effects that they weren't a fight scene that was geared around the effects. They were effects that were geared around the fight, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think that was one of the things that people really liked about it was we knew that they could obviously as Lawrence Fishburne alludes to, you know, some rules are meant to be bent and some are meant to be broken. Like, you know, and right. depending on, you know, how much you can free your mind within the matrix, like it, there are still rules, but they, yeah. I mean, it was, it was Kung Fu. It was this, it was that, but yeah. obviously with, you know, the, the enhancements that they have, you know, and then no, I, I, 
I I I will still watch the original yeah. every so often. The first and, Matrix know. is a top ten movie. Yeah, I love it. Um, second one, I I still like. I really I, I did like the second one. It doesn't obviously like going forward <laughs> this podcast. Like I'm gonna say, like nothing is gonna compare to the first. Right. I'll just get that out there. Right. But the second one, like I feel like, had this been a movie that was like standalone people would have thought was like awesome action you know what i mean like all, right. you know, all like i mean I mean, right there but then you, if you compare it to the first one it doesn't hold up that's the problem with it is it's like you it, it it's so easy for people to be disappointed because you get something so great in the beginning i mean and it's just the same as like star wars i mean nothing's ever gonna right. touch episode four five and six but that's the problem you can't you have to kind of put that aside you know and you cannot expect the same thing or the same level of greatness or the same you know it, it, it like and you're not and you don't have to sit here and say that it was as good just like you know i saw so many haters on so many of the sequels right and i'm like i didn't think they were terrible so the second one i think it goes in order for the first three as far as obviously first one's best second one was second best third was third best yeah. but but the second one though i actually liked a lot of the characters in the scenes and it really for me it pushed even further the love and connection between neo and trinity which i thought i mean is obviously a huge element yeah it, you know in the story even starting in the first one neo it had it not been for for his connection with trinity and hers with him he would have never came back to life in the you know within right, the matrix right. and, and you know it it was that connection and that love that they had and then the same thing at the end of number two he brought her back too right um you know and i i just really thought you know like the second i mean especially like i to, i'd like to see someone argue that there's a better like highway ch- chase scene yeah that you know than like that I mean, I, I mean, I, there are again, really that, good. that scene has visual effects, obviously, but they're visual effects to enhance the action versus action being written around the special effect. Exactly. Cause I mean, even like Trinity on the motorcycle, like, I mean, fuck zoom in through that, you know, right, it, that'll make your heart race every time, you know, that I watch that scene. I, I just think it's, you know, and then the fight, with Morpheus on the on top of the semi truck and like I everything about that scene I thought was awesome I liked a lot of characters even I liked the ghosts the the twins yeah you know like you know I thought those were cool characters and I love how Morpheus ends up taking them out in the end you know yeah like, overturning the and she, like it, you know and I I just there were a lot of things I liked about Reloaded no it's not the Matrix but, you know it's not I'm saying yeah right but I still enjoy it like the third one yeah it, it it's it's the third best in the series and i will say that so many people hate hated on it and oh and i and i just say no it wasn't as good as the first two obviously but it it did conclude what everything had been leading up to at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. and and I thought it had 
I mean, I mean, when the attack on Zion, I thought that was actually a really cool action scene. I mean, everything with just the uh, they remind me of like the big fucking thing in um, Aliens. You yeah. know, like where Sigourney Weaver, you know, is operating like those right. things. But obviously, they're even way more advanced but uh you know i thought like a lot of that shit was really cool i thought there were some cool um elements and you know and then trinity and neo going to the machines and like i mean there were definitely things i didn't like about it like i I, like you know i agree with a lot of the criticism on certain things but i i i never hated it i didn't yeah i just you know i was like okay like you know but i it, it wasn't like i walked away like fuck that movie you right. know it was it, you know i i was actually like okay i yeah. i would have rather had it than not had anything and they just stopped you know yeah right <laughs> so i don't know what your feelings were but. so um i think we had talked about this off air before that um i i had a very good recollection of the second movie and not so much of the third and that I had seen the third one, the least of all of them. Um, and I, so I rewatched them this past week and what I realized was, no, I did remember everything that happened in the third one. Just nothing really happens that, you know, these two movies reloaded and revolutions came out the same year. They obviously filmed them back to back, like all together And really, when you put the story together, it's one story. Like, neither one of them stands on its own. This is one story that I feel like they they had the plot for one story, and they decided to stretch it into two movies and just have crazy long 40-minute action scenes in each one so that it was enough length for two movies. And while the action scenes were cool, like that freeway chase for sure. Um, and I did like in that last movie, you know, the, the fight at, you know, in Zion is a good fight scene, you know, uh, battle war. It's like a war scene in itself. What disappoints me is that I don't think there was enough story to sustain two movies. And the story that they do have really, most of it is in Matrix Reloaded. And to me, it comes off kind of smug. And I kind of feel like you have, you have to have a degree in philosophy to even understand <laughs> some of the concepts they're talking about. Yeah, like when the engineer's talking. You know, right. I mean, it's, you know, vis-a-vis, ergo, this, that. And yeah. it's just kind of like, shut the fuck up. You know, like the first one had concepts and things that you had to think about and things that kind of blow your mind, but it was, it was comprehensible. The second one really feels like you need like a thesaurus and a philosophy degree to understand what's going on. And I don't like that. Um, and I, I agree. I agree. But um, the only other like big criticism I have is in that last movie, I feel like we're only in the matrix for a few minutes of the entire movie. And those few minutes we are in the matrix is kind of that very big, heavily CGI scene between Smith and Neo at the end. And it doesn't even really seem like the matrix, you know, it just seems like the backdrop for this CGI fight. 
And honestly, like my brain kind of tunes out during that fight because I feel like it's so CGI and so um, like manufactured that I'm not even really following along or caring what's happening. Yeah, so, it's not like the fight, the original fight he yeah. had like on the subway with Agent Smith or, right. y- you know, like, yeah. It I, felt I, like I, they kind of felt like they needed to step up their game and reinvent the wheel. And I don't think they needed to because they already invented the wheel and the wheel is a fucking good invention. So you don't need to really mess with it, I feel like. But like you, I agree that I don't think they're awful. Like, it, had there not never been the original Matrix and we just got these two movies, you would be like, oh, that was a pretty cool movie. And yeah, I'd much rather have it than not have it. But in the end, it was probably an impossible feat that they weren't able to accomplish, which was to try to top the original movie. And I just don't think they could do it. No, and I, so in a, the thing is, is like, I, like I was saying, like, yeah, I, I did not hate the sequels at all. Definitely had a lot of criticisms. And I agree with like, I mean, the final fight, like, I mean, it, it felt like it, it just didn't even, <laughs> you're right, it didn't even register. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I definitely didn't in, enjoy that, you know, and all the Smiths gather around watching them and, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, and, like I, and I didn't really think about it before, but you're right. It feels like what they could have probably done was been jumping back and forth between the events of, re, like, into one movie. Like, so yeah. they, they, everything they needed to do and reloaded, but then it could have also showed... gone back down to zion and showed them preparing for battle and and then the actual you know what i mean like they could have you know combined both of those and then had a better final fight yeah no i mean trust me i do have a lot of criticisms but yeah i think i think like you and i are the same in the fact that like we always go into a movie with an open mind and we're also not fucking haters like a bunch of other like i i just see so many people that will nitpick and look for every tiny thing to hate and then that's the only focus of their even argument or review, right you know and, and right they don't they'll point out they, the one thing they didn't like instead of telling you the 10 things they did like exactly and, and you know and yes there were a lot of things in the sequels i didn't like and, and i agree with what you're saying for the third like i get but i would have much rather had that closure at least what that was than not i'm not saying that it, it yeah that it it wasn't my up to my expectations or what I would have liked to seen, but I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's a shit movie because it's not like yeah. neither one of them are. You're right. Like if there was no Matrix and somehow they were able to introduce, I mean, do everything, and it was just like these action movies. You know, people are like, yeah, that was that was enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like right. people would have rated those movies higher then they would have if there would have been you know yeah you know some other like like, rando action movie that came out you know cowboys versus aliens or whatever you know that's the first thing that came to my mind i don't know why but um you know like yeah you know very forgettable movies and one thing's for sure you never forget about the matrix and that's the thing is like you know people will see like just some new action movie 
with Jason Statham or something. And I really like him and, you know, but like a lot of movies he's been in, like they're, they're not game changing, you know, but like a lot of like, okay, that was enjoyable. Like, you know, that yeah. was, you know, I'm going to sit here and say that it did anything amazing, but people will sit here and be like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd probably give that a six or something, but right. then they'll be like, Matrix loaded fucking one. one right, you know? right. And I'm like, it, that's what pisses me off. I'm like, you guys, what you're, what you're doing is you're, you're taking you're, your opinion is based on, something that you were expecting like something to top the first matrix and to be amazing and yes there were a lot of things wrong but it doesn't mean it was a horrible horrible movie right you know on its own and i think that was always like the thing that annoyed me in the past was like yeah you guys get it no i it definitely goes down in score from the first to second and third yeah and, you know but if they're not they just weren't horrible movies in my opinion and i right. and you know that's that. Yeah, I agree. All right, I need to pause real quick because my cat's making noise. So more. He, he wants a new uh, cat litter. I guess. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna let her in real quick and hopefully she'll shut up. Hold on one second. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where she went. So, oh well. <laughs> and now she's going to be making those. Um, all right. So, all right. So that takes us to the Matrix Resurrections. Um, I think, what, 17, 18 years later. We both watched this movie. What are your thoughts? So, you know, we had talked about it last week. Uh, going in, honestly, I, you know, I just, I didn't have very high expectations. I didn't, I just had no idea how they were going to bring back Neo and Trinity in a way that would make sense. And, you know, and, and do we need this? And like, what I, I, I just, I, I set my expectations low. And then I was honestly, and I know I will probably get some backlash for this. I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it. I, I don't, I mean, again, it doesn't even touch the first matrix. And there were definitely a lot of things that I could criticize about it. But overall, there were a lot of things I actually did like about it. And a lot of concepts they did in the ideas and how they brought them back. I actually enjoyed like overall, I sat through the entire movie and was fine. And I, and I, trust me, I've read reviews on it and like a lot of people are hating on it. <laughs> There's, you know, it, there are some valid criticisms for sure, but overall, like I was actually like, okay, I'm glad they made that. So I don't know what you, what you thought, but. All right. So my thoughts is when the movie started, we kind of get the scene that's reminiscent of the opening scene in the first matrix. And it kind of annoyed me because I was thinking, I don't know if I just want to see them rehash the same stuff we already saw. And throughout the whole movie, 
I kind of kept going back and forth. There were times when I was kind of really rolling my eyes and saying, this is not great. And there were times when I was really into it. Like I liked everything with Neo at the, um, like in the matrix, like he's a game designer. We see the storyline that he invented a game, the matrix, that's pretty much the exact plot of the original series. And um, I like the concepts of, um, you know, him kind of being stuck in that day-to-day rut, almost like we saw him in the first one. Um, You know, he's on the treadmill, he's showering. Same thing over and over. I like that a lot. I like the scenes with him and Trinity in the coffee shop, you know, before either one of them even remembers who they are. You know, it's one thing's obvious, like from any of these Matrix movies, that the two of them have really great chemistry. Um, you know, mm-hmm. then as the movie went on, there were again things I liked, things I didn't like. So, what I take away from it overall is that I didn't love the movie, but I also didn't hate it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a couple things I definitely didn't like. The number one thing is there is zero reason to have a character in there that's Morpheus. Exactly. Nope. That's my biggest criticism. Thank you. (laughs) If you don't have Lawrence Fishburne, you don't need to have a character that's Morpheus because that character in this movie, whatever kind of like, you know, computer generated thing he's supposed to be adds nothing to the plot. So why even have it? Now I get it. You know, this is years later, you know, we have to find a way to bring back Neo and Trinity, but it would be harder for them to write a way to bring Morpheus back too because he's long dead. Then that's fine. Then either don't have the character or if you want to write a way for him to come back because you want to reunite the original three actors and you want to do it like that to where Morpheus is some sort of a computer generated thing that's helping Neo and helping them. That's fine if it's Lawrence Fishburne. But if you don't have Lawrence Fishburne, don't even bother because it was just asinine and that guy added nothing to the movie. I have similar complaints about Jonathan Groff playing Smith. That at least kind of makes sense. They at least wrote an excuse, you know, kind of like, and we had seen concepts like this before where Neo needs Smith, Smith needs Neo, that the two of them are kind of connected ever since Um, you know that original movie when Neo like went into his you know programming and all that Um, so I could almost get on board with that but again to me if you don't have Hugo Weaving you don't need a character that's Smith it doesn't do anything so the fact that they have these other actors playing our characters immediately waters it down a little bit for me (laughs) I agree I that again trust me i had plenty of criticisms with it but i am in the same boat as you i didn't hate it i was there were things i liked about it in the and at the end by the end i was like okay i'm glad they made it and i'm glad they made it for a couple reasons one there were the things i liked about it was in the original trilogy it ended but we didn't get total closure on neo and trinity 
and you assumed they're both dead, which they right. were. Well, but they I definitely mean, were until we need a reason for them not to have been, and then we right away where they're not. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, and it's like that they're it, it was, but they they also, I mean, they died essentially together. I mean, I know Trinity yeah. dies right. right before, but um, but that you know it. it in the defense, this is what I will defend about the movie. The connection, the love and connection that those two had was a huge part of the original trilogy. And like I right. already said, they wouldn't have been able to even continue on, either one of them, if it hadn't been for the connection that they had together. You know, it, and so their love story, their connection was a huge element as far as like them saving each other, them keeping each other going on, even like uh, to be able to get the key maker in the second one, Monica Bellucci's character right. recognized, you know, I mean, she was with, you know, the this, and Yeah. Which by the way, I don't think needed to be. No, in this, that, that was either. almost like, Hey, you know, here's, here's an actor we can get back a character that I don't think anybody really liked anyway, because He's part of the smugness I was talking about in Reloaded, but and the scene that he is in is very bizarre, and I'm not sure I even kind of understand what happened, which is kind of a thing that happened a lot in this movie is I don't really understand. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like I, again, I've got I've got plenty of things that I'm like, how, yeah, I, well, what do you, you know? And so I don't think they needed that scene. I don't think they need that character. But the point was is in the second one, Monica Bellucci recognizes like i mean she's lived with this smug douchebag for so long and she recognizes right she can see that love and connection between neo and trinity that and it's not like they're sitting there holding hands you know what i mean like right. she knows she can just and, sense it feel it and she and she wants like obviously she's had sex with this dude over the years yeah. like you know but like she's like she know she's never felt like a uh passion like that and that's all she wanted yeah. and then she gets some the key maker and that was part of that continuing on yeah. too and i i will say I, I bringing them back i thought i'm like okay hey, well how does like neo live within the matrix and you know not remember i thought it was actually pretty fucking smart of bringing in mph as a therapist in oh yeah think, because like he that's was one of the parts that, like his storyline and just i mean mph as an actor in general i thought fit in well you know he's he's pretty much taking the place of the architect in this you know yes. and i think they even say that you know he's the one that engineered this this new version of the matrix and i did think that that was a a smart way you know like the, so there was an episode of buffy the vampire slayer a long time ago and it was later in the series run where the whole episode takes place in a mental institution and Buffy is in there and everybody's telling her that she's a patient and she's crazy that she's invented this. Um, she's she never been a vampire slayer. Right. This, like, the, the reality of her fighting vampires and stuff. And they let, they leave that episode kind of ambiguous. Like they don't like snap out of it and she's back in Sunnydale and, everything's fine they kind of leave it almost like shit is this whole thing in her head and i like the fact that um mph is kind of again gaslighting neo into 
making him believe that all these things he's thinking aren't real. And if you're somebody that's in therapy, that's having like mental issues. And you've thought you tried to commit suicide, even though that's right. Not totally what it was. Right. So that was, that was really clever. And I, I liked that. That was, that was some of the stuff I did like. No. And that's, and that was the thing is like, I, I didn't know how they were going to be talking. I'm like, that is fucking genius. Because if, you are like you said you know with in a mental institution like in Buffy or like you're in therapy and you've had these mental breakdowns and and everybody around you not even just your therapist but everybody around you is like looking out for you making sure you're not having any more episodes you try to kill yourself and and then the way MPH I mean having him as a therapist was a good idea because Typically, you know, you hear about gaslighting within like a relationship or a family member or, you know, like someone in your life, but not like a professional and the way that EPH did it, I mean, yeah, he totally was, but, but he was also like praising Neo you know, and like, you know, he's like, you're, when he says, am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. Yeah. Like, and, and he's like, it makes sense. Like, I mean, he almost says like, I mean, you're a genius. You made the biggest video game ever. It makes sense that you would have, you know, these connections with your, you know, and you have this mental and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, he did this for so long that even the first time we see like the big, the raid on the office, like Neo doesn't even want to fucking believe it. And yeah you know and then he thinks he had another mental breakdown and so i actually thought that whole idea was really cool because if they would have just had him in the matrix and like he just remembered nothing Mm -hmm. i would have been like "Eh." but like the fact that mph the new engineer so to speak like knew like well you know there's gonna be something with him within him at all times like let's not ignore the fact let's embrace it let him have those thoughts but let you know we'll make him think he's crazy yeah you know so there that like there were things like that that i really liked and then what i really liked was um just again i you know maybe it's the softy in me but i i always loved the relationship the connection the love between neo and trinity and I, I definitely think there are fans out there from the original that kind of overlooked that and didn't really get invested or care. Um, I mean, there's a lot of movie fans out there. Like they're only there for like the action or the, you know, like you know, there there's fans out there that just don't get into the relationships as much. And I just always had such like a connection with their connection. And then like, when they finally got reunited not even just like in the coffee scene but when they actually both woke up together in the real world and like touched hand like like that really fucking got to me like and it's only because i've been so invested in their connection and i've always thought that their connection was so crucial to the story moving forward you know in the original trilogy and you know, it it, it kind of gave almost like, I mean, with the new city that they were in, none of that would have been possible without Neo and Trinity. Not just Neo. Not just like Neo being the one. Like, he would have never got to where he was without Trinity all the way up until that last minute. 
uh, you know, of his, of his life in the original trilogy. And, and like, I also saw a couple reviews and people posting like that they didn't agree, like that it should even brought back as far as like the matrix is still here. But, but, and I'm like, no, I mean, the way it ended was there was always going to be a matrix. That was never the agreement between the machines and Neo. When he said, I'll go in there and fight Smith, their agreement was peace among them and Zion in which they, they did have that, you know, and it, it was more like, okay, well, you guys can just go fuck off now and we're not going to attack your city down there, but stay there and we're still going to maintain our matrix, you know? And so, uh, you know, I totally bought into the fact that, well, of course the matrix is going to evolve. There's still going to be this world. The machines are still going to do their thing. And, you know, I, I was happy to be able to see Neo and Trinity be able to actually escape it because I would have rather them just been dead or get out of that fucked up situation that they're in, you know, and, and get out. So, and I also think that what it does is it, it left it kind of open or closed either you can look at it as well, Neo and Trinity finally got to reunite. They got the fuck out of the matrix. They're in the real world. Now they have each other cool. Or maybe this opens it up to some other ideas that they want to move on with. And, and, um, and, and again, no, it, it, it was, <laughs> no, it, it was not a great movie. I didn't love it, but, I think I it was more of a with me going in with little expectations. I was pleasantly surprised about how much of it I did like, even though there was a lot I didn't. And especially, you're right. Fuck it, the, bringing back the like that whole Morpheus. Like, I was like, this is shit. Like this, like why? Like it. It would have been great if we would have just gone down and seeing the old Niobe and walk through and seeing the statue of Morpheus, remember him, you know, cool. But the way they brought him back, I thought was kind of stupid and maybe someone yeah. could change my mind. And, and you're right. I mean, that, that is Lawrence Fishburne. That, like, I mean, you don't bring in another actor like, and I don't know. I haven't even looked. I don't really know anything about this actor. Maybe, Maybe he's going to be an awesome actor, like in other things. But no, I've like, seen him if, in other when you stuff where he was where he was good. If you hear that name, the only yeah. thing that comes to your mind is Lawrence Fishburne. You yeah. know, it, and and like you said, same thing with Smith. I mean, Agent Smith, you see Hugo Weaving in your mind, right. you know. And so I thought, like things like that, I I really disliked um some of the things also like yeah the whole scene with the um uh what do they call them not outcast um damn it now i'm like blanking on the name yeah uh for like you know when they get attacked in that warehouse area yeah um, yeah 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 i don't remember not, what they were called whatever, either, but... whatever the case they didn't yeah. need all those i i mean there were definitely a lot of things i thought like we don't need this. We don't need to see, you know, we don't need to see this. Let's just focus more on other things. But there were 
things I like, I loved Neo and Trinity connecting in the matrix, like you said, and then the whole coffee shop thing and the way they talked in, and it kind of made me think about almost like at the end of Spider-Man, yeah. you know, that MJ and, and Peter in that moment, like MJ doesn't remember Peter, but there is that, yeah. You can feel she doesn't remember Peter, but she's still wearing she her, is like her necklace, like, you know. She doesn't know, but you you know what I mean? Like, because I mean her her memory of Peter Parker was erased, but it, it, it's like on in on some kind of level, she knew she she had this kind of connection feeling with him. And it, and so like when they saw each other, and even when they first shook hands, like in the previous scene, and she's like, Have we met? You know, and, and and I also liked, I didn't know what was going on at first, but I did like how um, you get glimpses of, like, Neo would catch a glimpse of himself in the mirror, and it's not him. Or he saw her reflection on the table, and it shows, like, I mean, the whole time, too, she's seeing herself as what Trinity looks like. And she makes a comment about her husband laughing right. at her when, you know, she thinks she looks like Trinity in the game. and blah, blah. So, yeah, I... There were things I thought were done well and that I did enjoy. But yes, there, I, I did have a lot of problems with it. But overall, I'm like, well, I guess the romantic me was happy to see them get back together. And maybe that's what drove most of it for me, Yeah, you know, was just their relationship. But I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, a few things like that, um, that I liked, I did like Jada Pinkett Smith back as Niobe, you know, much, much older. And she's kind of running that, that, you know, that new city. It's not Zion, it's IO. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that they didn't just erase the fact that at the end of the third movie, there was a, a piece, you know, between the humans and the machines. And I like that they didn't just ignore that. I like that in IO, there's humans and machines working together. What mm -hmm. I think would be interesting would have been if we saw maybe that the, the, the war now is some humans with some machines against other humans and other machines that have different beliefs. You know, we, mm. we, we see that there's, you know, machines on our side but obviously there's more machines that aren't i think it would be cool if they blended it together to where you know they're saying where they've come now it's not as just black and white as humans versus machines there's some people that believe this and they have machines fighting with them and there's some people that believe something else and there's machines fighting with them but we didn't get any of that but 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 uh, but, but my point was is maybe Maybe this is it. Maybe this was all they wanted to bring it back for. Yeah. But but this does leave it open though for maybe that's what will happen now because you're right. We did get to see the side where there are machines working with them, and you know, and maybe maybe there's an idea to bring it back to a point where they end up ending the matrix in the machine like all together yeah. and stuff, and you know, like the machines won't work with. And you couldn't just jump right into that. You had to have this setup. Right. Yes. Plenty of things wrong with it. But 
going back to my point of what we've talked about, I saw so many reviews, like there's ones, you know, everyone, like, yeah. like there, there was hundreds of people on IMDb, like, well, yeah, that's, one. that's it, just crazy. It, that's not a one uh, movie, you know? And that was my point. It's like, no, I, no, it, it it's, it, it, you know, I didn't even like, I didn't like it as much as even like the second, or third. like it's, it's, it, um, it's just, it wasn't this like terribly bad movie to like where i would rate it yeah. a one and i think that's what like bugs me about some people you know yeah. like well what i what i told my little brother was um if if they had made this movie like in a vacuum and there had never been a second or third sequel and this was the first time that we're coming back to you know this world i feel like people would rate it higher than they rated it now because um like i still like the morpheus stuff i wouldn't like or anything like that but i think that at least the spirit of this movie feels more similar to the original movie now there's a lot wrong with this um i didn't there's not one action scene in this new movie that stands out in my brain as like oh but that one scene with that one shot it's all very forgettable. It's not yeah, as... not like the reloaded, like the three-way scene. Right, and, right. Yeah. You know, it's not as CGI heavy. Um, at least it didn't appear that way. I'm sure it. I'm sure there's a ton of visual effects, obviously, but it didn't. It didn't feel as CGI heavy. But it also didn't feel like the fight scenes resonated very much. Even that scene that's supposed to be a callback to Morpheus and Neo in the I know Kung Fu scene, and you know now it's I still know Kung Fu um it just it wasn't a cool fight you know Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu in that original movie like that's a cool fight you know people are putting their fists through pillars and all kinds of stuff and you know it, it like like you said before it's you know some rules are meant to be bent and some are meant to be broken but the, I just feel like the scene on the, you know in this one just didn't it didn't hit it didn't resonate with me at all no I I, I completely agree there and I didn't like again and it's just the whole bringing back the morpheus character like he was so like i mean even i mean he shows up he's like drinking like a fucking martini and like or whatever drink it was like yeah i don't know like i just didn't even like this version and i didn't well I they just also did make not... a comment that he's morpheus mixed with smith and somehow but then it's never that's one like quick comment that somebody makes and then it's never mentioned again or explained or anything so i just feel like i feel like it was very sloppily written at times yeah, no, I agree. Like, like, I mean, from the very beginning, when he's when he says he's, I, you know, Morpheus and he's this and that. Well, like, I already didn't like it, but I was like, okay, let's see if this. Yeah, I just kept develops into something. Was, like, you know, I, I kept like, like praying there was a big secret that Lawrence Fishburne was going to make an appearance, and we just didn't know it. But that didn't happen. So, um, yeah, let's I, let's talk about the ending. So, how do you feel about the way it ends? Um, I, I, I was fine with the way it ended for a couple of reasons. One, again, it, it, it's just the, the soft part in me. Like I, I just always loved their relationship and the connections between them. And I was, that was like, and, and you know what? And maybe that was just like the biggest redeeming quality of the movie for me. It was like, I was just so happy for them to be reunited. Like I, with everything that they encountered together, what they did, the sacrifices that they made at the end together and to and to not only that it was like they weren't then they 
had to go fucking back to the matrix and live within this hell that you know like they they had escaped yeah and you know so to see them reunited i actually but you know that i really love that and you know and again it kind of leaves it at like i you know if they never make another one again cool like i i'm satisfied now at least where it ended whether you know people want to say they should should have made this or not made this movie and despite all the criticisms of it you know like where it ended at least i'm like you know they didn't leave it on like some kind of fucked up cliffhanger yeah. or like you know or here it comes they left it at a point where it's like okay they're reunited i'm happy with that yeah. and then you know but if they come up with an idea for sequel and now it's them fighting together well to, well, like you know, one take, thing that that got set up in the very first movie that we've never actually seen pay off is neo was supposed to be on a journey to try to set people's minds free and we never see that happen it doesn't happen in either of the two sequels or in this new one so now maybe going forward that's what you would have the two of them doing um i i like you i i like the two of them being reunited i like the fact that they have some sort of a connection and all that but i did not like the fact that trinity is now apparently the one also because it is the one there is one one person that was created that was able to rewrite the code in the matrix neo is an anagram for one there is one and it's just kind of typical of where we are nowadays that you can't you can't just have Keanu Reeves be your hero of the movie. Now the woman has to be equal, if not more than him. And I'm all for the two of them having their connection. And they've each brought each other back from the dead. And that's all great. But there's one person that can rewrite the code in the Matrix. It doesn't make any sense and is never explained why all of a sudden she can do that also i i no i i agree with that and i think even throughout the for the trilogy it, it's never clear as far as you know i mean it, obviously like morpheus always believes in him you're the one you're the one blah blah you know but then there's always always the comments like well there was never supposed to be a one there never was a one but you're just the greatest among right them. i mean or, the, the, they, they know, make like, it they say in those movies that that you know the prophecy that morpheus believes in is not true that's not a real thing that you know neo is not the messiah but it's uh it's it's an indisputed fact and the architect even tells this to neo that as long as there's been a matrix there was always one person that was able to rewrite the code and see things make changes and in the previous installments of the matrix that person is the one that had to make the choice rather to let all of humanity die and kind of get a reboot or 
in Neo's case, he decides that he's going to try to save them. But the consequence of that is if the machines win, then that's it. Humanity's done. There will be no reboot. But again, that's that one person that can rewrite the code. Now, if you're the writer of this movie, you can write anything you want. So if you want Trinity to have powers too, then write it that way. Write some sort of dialogue where, you know, Neo and Trinity are both dead at the end of the third movie. So to bring them back, what they did is combine both of their DNAs and, you know, clone them into two new beings that had the same, like, you know, uh, uh, shape and image of Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss, whatever. I mean, that's off the top mm-hmm. of my head. I'm not, you know, I'm not the writer, but yeah. write something, make something. You can't just all of a sudden Trinity is flying and she has the same powers as Neo and never explain it to us. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, especially because I mean, because like Neo took so long to even get to the point where he could fly and everything and like it, it, and arguably yes when they're escaping the matrix all it, you know and she's finally realizing and remembering who she is that she can fly <laughs> no sorry right. no i i know i agree there but i mean honestly when it all comes down to it like we'll give it our score in a second i think that i enjoy this movie more than i enjoy either two of the other sequels so that that says something right there so uh, if we're if we're doing a one to ten rating, I give it a six point five. I, I, it was I was I mean I'm like so I so close to you. I was gonna say six point four. Okay. So, because uh, uh, again, like I said, it's not a fucking one. Like I, it's not a one. That's ridiculous. You, you, there are some terrible movies out there, and like, and that's what bugs me is like. I even was just thinking about it, what you had said, like if it would have been just a movie all these years later after the Matrix, you know, people would have rated it different. But I'd even go even further and say, let's pretend that there was never a Matrix movie and this was a brand new movie and, you know, they cut out some of the probably unnecessary fight scenes, you know, and they just, they showed the back, like we were, aware or you know like we're shown that there actually was you know these events did happen and there, this would have been a cool concept like people have been like holy fuck like this guy's living in this life where he designed this video but he actually you know what yeah. i mean like and i did like all this all the scenes of you know the 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 group of them like they're making comments about what the new matrix game needs to have but it's actually them commenting on everything people have said about the matrix series over the years you know we need to find a new bullet time or um you know just every every criticism and everything that people have had about the sequels they found a way to kind of be very meta about it and wink and nod at the camera as in that's what these people are saying about the game now yeah and they're arguing about and this is like i feel like you can never please certain fans because they're like they're joking about like well, no, you need to reboot. Oh, people don't want reboots. You know, like they want something fresh. And they're like, no, don't do anything fresh. People want the, you know, the matrix. Like, and so like, I felt like, I'm like, I get that because it, it's like people, it, what, like and you were saying in the beginning, what, are you just going to redo the matrix? No, I mean, like to me, like 
yeah, they could have made some cool scenes and they could have done like some cool things, but it would have been the same fucking thing and people would have been pissed. Or you do this whole new concept and again, we've talked about a lot of things are wrong with it. People criticize like it completely to the we're like, oh no, it's a one, it's shit. Yeah, there's and, there's just you know, there's gonna like, be no satisfying those people. They're just I I I I get hives thinking that these people call themselves fans because they're not fans. They're just curmudgeons that want to find like things to complain about. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like uh, to me, if you're a true fan of the Matrix, you would have watched this movie and maybe not rated it a six point four or six point five, but even like a five. Like you know, like like I feel like you could have looked at it like well i really like this concept and they did this and you know this character and i i loved mph's character like i and especially at the end i thought that was pretty funny when they're like fucking him up and he's like you know ow and, you know and yeah. like, they was like i mean i've i mean i just love mph anyways but and i you know and i thought again there were a lot of cool ideas like the, the idea of making you think he was crazy i thought that was just genius like mm-hmm. i just i you know because it 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 was so true and it it kind of almost reminded me of like well i mean you mentioned buffy but nobody knows for sure like at the end of um shutter island was leonardo DiCaprio crazy or was he a fucking uh, cop investigating like you know yeah but but and that's the thing like how how would that person ever truly know how you know how would people right. re- like you know if that person tries to say anything like if neo tra- you know if neo is trying to tell everybody like right, you oh, just come you- off as crazy <laughs> yeah exactly and if people think you're crazy how do you ever convince them you're not you know like no, exactly. you know especially- and so like there were a lot of things that i i just i thought they did well there and i did like the whole discussion about the re- rebooting you know or bringing back the matrix because you know. it is kind of like poking fun of itself but you know and, and no i i don't no, it, 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 it's nowhere near the first movie, not even on the same level. It's not, I'm not going to rate it up, but like, like there was enough done well and enough things that I like where I would say, you know, in the mid sixes, like yeah. for ready, not like I, I just, just a few small changes. And like this movie could have easily been an eight in my mind. You know, yes. and so it kind of it kind of disappoints me that they you know they didn't. And I'm not saying, hey, you guys need to make this movie to appease Shanka Tanzari, because you know who am I? But I feel like there were certain times when I could have stepped in off the street and written a better explanation or storyline than what they put on screen. No, and I and I agree, and I think that for but always the, the way you and I have always been is we'll look at things that we're criticizing and we just deduct points like to me you go into a movie it starts at a, it starts at a 10 yeah like before the the opening scene like right. I, mean, I mean not if, if you know it, it, like you wouldn't it, even be there if it wasn't something you didn't want to see you know yeah you so know, you're like, starting with the hopes that you're gonna walk out of that theater or turn off your tv and be like that was a fucking good movie yeah and like it's like some of these quote fans they go in starting at like a zero and they give it a one because there was only one point worth of things that they liked yeah. and, and you know and to me it's like well no like i i looked at it as like 
yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. This didn't work. I'm deducting points down, you know, and I mean, it's right. oversimplistic to say that, you know, you go in at a 10, but what I, what my point is like, I'm, I'm never going to, I wouldn't say that I would take nine points off a perfect score from that movie to make yeah, it a one, no. you know, like, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think we're, I think we're on the same page pretty much. So, yeah. So uh, I guess that's it. So that's, that was the matrix resurrections. We're going to come back next week with the premiere of the book of Boba Fett on Disney plus that's going to be our new weekly deep dive. And we've got some things coming up in the next few weeks that um, we're going to talk about. Also, we're probably going to talk about um, the new season of Dexter. Once that finishes up, maybe we'll dip our toe into some Cobra Kai and a few other things. Um, in the meantime, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you can at Screen Geeks Pod. You could always send us an email to ScreenGeeksPod at gmail.com. And um, if you listen to us on Spotify, please give us five stars and subscribe to the channel so that you know when we release new episodes. And I think that's it. Until next week, we'll see you on the screen. See you later, everyone. Thank you. Have a good day.